right. Well, welcome in or welcome back to the Sink or Swim podcast here at NSUMD. This is episode four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm your host, Katie Kinnan. And I'm your host, Didi Fatel. And today we have two very special guests with your fellow classmates, Maria and Stashis. Um, just before we begin, would you guys be able to give like a short introduction and some background? Uh, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Maria Pereira. I am originally from Colombia. I was raised there until I was like nine years old and I came to America um, as a political refugee. And ever since then, I've lived here in Miami, Florida, went to UF for undergrad, and now I'm attending Nova University, lovely medical school. And here we are. Nice. Hello everyone, um, my name is Tashi Stianis. I am originally from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Um, I moved here when I was about eight years old. I uh, moved to Naples, Florida, went to undergrad at the University of South Florida, Go Bulls. I um, graduated initially in 2013, and I so I basically spent about like 11 years in Tampa, and I went back to USF to get my second degree in cell and molecular biology in 2018, and then now I'm at the wonderful NSUMD in Davie, Florida. So go Sharks now. The wonderful <laughs> NSUMD. <laughs> go Bulls, go Gators. Sorry, Mom. I know you're not going to be happy about me saying that. <laughs> yes, go Gators. <laughs> All right. Well, today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about specifically minority students in medicine. So for those of you that have heard me on other podcasts, I don't know if I've ever said my ethnicity, but I'm African-American. Um, and so we have my a bunch of minorities represented and we are all women. So I think this will be a good group to kind of talk about what it's like to be minority in medicine. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. So I think the first question is also to get to know you, you both more. Um, but what was your journey to medical school and why did you choose medicine specifically? Um, all right, so my journey to medical school, well, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Yes, it is very cliche, but it's just the plain truth. I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. And I think it just got reinforced more and more because I have various endocrine problems like my thyroid and stuff like that. And so it took a while for me to get diagnosed. And I just felt like the whole process was so frustrating Mm -hmm. and nobody really listened to me. And that encouraged me more Mm -hmm. to want to be a doctor. And I actually want to go into family medicine because of that reason. When someone comes and talks to me about the problem, I want to be able to be there to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, I love studying. I love learning and I love medicine itself. I think it's really interesting. I Right now, we're in the second year of medical school, and I know I'm at the right place, love what I do, even though it could be crazy and stressful, it's also so enjoyable. So that was kind of, in a gist, my journey to medicine, why medicine. Mm -hmm. And although for me, um, my journey to medicine has been long, but we are here. Mm -hmm. Um, But it all initially started back when I was in Haiti. Um, When I was a child, I think about like three or four years old, I actually 
um, fractured my left arm. So I had to be um, taken to the hospital. But when I got there, like, you know, it was it was a hot mess. And just seeing like the, the condition of these hospitals, like I knew that something wasn't right. And deep down inside of me, I always knew like I wanted to help, um, especially um, disenfranch- disenfranchised um, individuals. And that's why I've always had a passion to serve underprivileged communities or um, communities that like under um, served. And then um, I remember they had to take an x-ray of my um, fractured arm. And to me, that was like magical just to see <laughs> the bones. And that's why I've always loved radiology. And that's why my uh, goal is to ultimately be a diagnostic radiologist. So it all started um, back when I was like a child. So that's why I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. So what was so after that you mentioned that you moved um, here to Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do, were you like a traditional student? Meaning, did you go straight from undergrad to medicine? No, I took long breaks. Yeah. You know? So I initially, so when I initially um, graduated from USF, um, I've been in school since I was like two years old. Because in Haiti they start you like around two and a half years old. <laughs> two. Yeah, I've been in school since I was two. So That's like intense. by the time I graduated from like university, I was like eighteen. So I felt like I've been in school my whole entire life. Because you, you, yeah, right, uh-huh. right. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I was burnt out and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go straight into medical school because I know the workload is is intensive Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to be out in the world and started working because one, I wanted, I wanted to like have like a sense of independence because my, we, um, growing up at my father's household, it was very strict. So I didn't really do much. So I felt like, you know what, I'm independent now. I want to be able to make my own money, you know, just to travel, just to kind of live life a little bit. And so that's what I did. So I initially started working for Quest Diagnostics, which is a laboratory. And then just working there, um, I also started um, being involved with like different missionary trips and a lot of like community service projects. And so deep down, I always knew I wanted to return back to medicine, but I just didn't know like when that was going to happen. And so I started working there. um, And then that's why I went back to get my second degree because I graduated in 2013. And it's like it's been five years now. So it's like I needed to go back and kind of. moving up my science courses just to see if I still had it in me because I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody has their thing, whether it's music, whether it's cooking, whether it's, you know, dancing. And I always felt like I was, I've always been a nerd. I love sciences. I love reading. I love school. I love education. So it's like medicine has always been my thing. Um, and so when I went back to get my second degree, I'm like, I still got it. You know, I still, I still enjoyed this. And then um, after that, I wanted to work with the interventional radiologist because I wanted that hands-on clinical experience to see again, if this is something that I really want to do because this is going to be a lifetime dedication Mm -hmm. and so once I started working there for about two years that's when I um, applied to medical school and now I'm here so it was always in the back of my head but like I'm not your traditional like student Mm -hmm. at all so I'm probably the oldest one in the class but that's okay I still look young so yeah another (laughs) hair flip I'm like the third oldest I'm fine with it but we're here so it's all right it's all good that's a very inspiring mm-hmm. journey. Thank you for sharing. Of course. What about you, Katie? What about me? So what was your journey to medicine, uh, medical school like? Yeah, so also non-traditional. Um, I didn't take as long of a break as Tashis did, but kind of like Maria, I knew I wanted to be a doctor like super early. My dad says I was 10. I say eight, you know, who knows what the actual age was. <laughs> it's a great area, but it's fine. <laughs> Um, And like it was almost like the minute I like decided that that's what I wanted to do. Everything from that point forward was working towards becoming a doctor. So in high school, we had like a medical magnet program. Shout out to Popka High School Medical Magnet. Um, And we 
basically were able to apply in eighth grade, got accepted into that. And so we did, we had like a special class every year that taught us about the healthcare field. And then senior year, we were able to go on clinical rotations. And so we got to wear like these cute little scrubs. And I remember um, in order to get the places that you wanted to, you had like, it was a lottery system. So you had to show up early and like be first in line. And I remember me and my good friend, Michael, I told my mom, we have to be at school by like 4.30 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. So we can be first in line. And we were first in line. And I kid you not, there was like three people that came at like 4.45. So shout out to my mom for getting up that early and taking us to school. But like, that's how bad I wanted like Mm -hmm. to see what it was like and to really get my choices. So I went to Florida Hospital. I shadowed in the newborn nursery, um, pediatrics floor, and then labor and delivery. So that was kind of that. Went to UCF, uh, majored in health sciences preclinical, uh, did not do well. And in my own world, I GPA was crappy, um, had no business taking the MCAT, so therefore I didn't. Um, so when I graduated, I knew I wasn't going to apply to medical school. I knew I wasn't going to go right into it. So I decided to try teaching. Okay. Um And so I taught for four years, but during that time, I went back to UCF as a non-degree-seeking student to take some science classes to raise my GPA. Um, I took the MCAT twice. First time, not so good. Second time, a lot better. Um, Did some volunteer work and then set off my application during the pandemic, and here we are. Wow. We have very different journeys all here. Yeah. (laughs) So what challenges or barriers have you faced throughout your journey to medical school i mean you guys have shared a bit about that but is there anything else or something that you think was like quite significant i feel like for us and um like being minority students and things like that the biggest issue is finding representation so Growing up, like, although I had this dream of becoming a doctor, I had never seen a black doctor before. I had no idea, you know, what kind of fields they worked in. Nobody in my family, like, I'm the first person to go to medical school and to go on this journey. So I didn't really see that. The closest thing that I had um, was my brother's girlfriend at the time, who they were high school sweethearts, and she wanted to do dentistry. She also lived in the same area. So I kind of followed what she did, because that was okay. like my only example. Um, and so pretty much anything that she told me to do, that's kind of like what I did. But I didn't meet the first black physician who j- just so happened to be a woman until I was 21. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it was like, that was the biggest thing is in my head, it didn't exist, you know, like it didn't exist to see black doctors. So for, I mean, I still wanted to do it, but I had no examples. And I think that's like the hardest thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you said that because I think for me, like when I was trying to look to shadow or even like, um, trying to understand what a diagnostic radiologist was, I w- was also looking for a black, like woman that was in my field and I could not find any. And they, this was like in Tampa, Florida. And it's just like, wow. But I mean, eventually the person that I worked for, um, Dr. Um, Christopher Pittman, awesome, wonderful doctor. Um, yeah. So I was able to work with him for a little bit, but I, I could not find, like you said, like representation of what, you know, somebody who looks like me and who probably struggled with the same things that I had to struggle with. But um, I feel like it all worked out. It just that presentation is definitely lacking, especially in these specialties that, you mm-hmm. know, you most people don't usually get into. So, 
yeah definitely i think that's a big point mm -hmm. for me personally it was more of us for gen first generation um mm -hmm. in general like college so mm -hmm. i had no even going to college mm -hmm. i was like my mom had no idea bless her heart about sats acts what to do what you're supposed to do anything and she was always trying she was so so supportive but you know she had never gone through it or right. i didn't have anyone that had gone through it so i think maybe finding mentorship was mm -hmm. kind of a struggle because let's be real the only advice the only like source of advice that i had was reddit oh my gosh <laughs> girl yes. and they will rip you to shreds you don't have a 4.0520 mcat that's it yeah no, oh yeah they'll they're scare you for sure and so i think that was a big like challenge but then honestly my friends were applying and they had you know parents who are doctors and physicians i think that helped and like you said it's someone that you know whatever they did i was like you know what that makes sense in, mm -hmm. in the sense of like when is the mcat happening what should i do study like all these things mm -hmm. i had no idea thankfully some things came naturally like volunteering like mm -hmm. i did it ever since high school i just okay. loved going and like i was like oh my god mom i want to foster the kittens i want to do this <laughs> <laughs> and then when i saw it's like oh it's a huge component for medical school i was like mm -hmm. okay that's awesome like we're doing something right mm -hmm. um but i think that was definitely one of like the biggest uh hurdles especially because my mom well i'm colombian and she is not very good with english mm -hmm. or at, at the time she wasn't and so i always spoke to her in spanish so there was even like she couldn't even like read the documents with me and help me figure it out or anything like that so i okay. felt like it was mostly like finding that mentorship because their presentation i think definitely a minority in the united states but since we're in miami i did see a lot of like hispanic mm -hmm. doctors mm -hmm. okay. uh, in the area at least yeah and i also think like as because i'm also a first generation student as well um a lot of things that we're doing is we're learning from mistakes like i've made yes. so many so many mistakes from like undergrad like up to now and then I feel like I want to use my experiences to help the future um, generation of uh, doctors that are coming especially after me so it's like we're building that foundation now you know mm -hmm. so yes yeah, somebody had to go through it you know yeah, in order yeah, for us yeah. to know what what it's like so you know it's kind of it's one of those things it's like okay like we had to struggle just so the next generation doesn't have to so yeah. you know so like we'll, we'll be those examples that exactly. we were looking for. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a really good point. I mean, even like if you like scale that down to like NSUMD, mm -hmm. now that we're second years, we're sharing our experiences with like the new mm -hmm. first years that just started their like fundamentals course and you know, with our experience of what worked, what didn't mm -hmm. work and what we thought was like the most difficult, you know, we're trying to help them get through it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess like our experience counts with that. So yes. it's like Yeah. Yeah. Shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, in terms of mentorship, we talked about it. So, Maria, you eventually found a mentor, but it was like in college, right? Well, eventually I found friends who wanted to. Friends. friends. Okay. So I never really found a mentor up until really like medical school. Got so. it. Okay. Yeah. So medical school and then Stashis, you... I found a mentor. You found a mentor. It was a guy, a great guy, um, but I did find one. And then I also had like a public health mentor. So it was never mm -hmm. like, again, what I was looking for. But okay. I feel like the right people fell into the right place. So I'm not mm -hmm. complaining, you know. So it mm -hmm. all worked out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think like pretty much what we were saying, and that was like going into our next question, like what mentorship did you have, if any, but feeling like mentors are representative of our community and culture. And I feel like we basically touched on that. Mm -hmm. Like it's Mm -hmm. not really there. Mm -hmm. Like I I know the stats for um, black physicians, like less than 2% or just around 2% are black males. And then black females, it's like 3% Mm -hmm. that makes up the physician pool. And so one thing that like, I kind of do is I try to follow like a bunch of black doctors on Instagram Mm -hmm. and just to kind of like see like what their journeys are. And it's something new that I did. I think I started doing that when I was applying to medical school. And I mean, like I said, I was fortunate enough to find a black female nutrition, which is the field I want to go into. So for that, it's like, oh my gosh, it Mm -hmm. was amazing. But there's so many people who don't, who weren't lucky enough. Like it was literally just, Here's my mom's friend <laughs> who has a daughter-in-law who's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's how you like, find if it. You're lucky, yeah, if, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you even just, have that connection, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that just happened to fall into place. Like, it wasn't, like, oh, wow. you know, anything. And even at, like, UCF, in terms of black professors, I think I had two. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So do you guys still face this difficulty now while you're in medical school? Um, finding mentors that understand who you are and what you what your goals are in the future or has this changed well I think like kind of backtracking a little to college you know how we have pre-health advisors Mm -hmm. yeah I felt at least from my experience there was it was basically okay you better get A's if not Mm -hmm. you won't make it it wasn't really that helpful and I think if that started in the high school level and continued throughout, it would help so many students. But to answer your question, um, I think there's definitely at least one professor here. Um, I think she's been on the podcast, Dr. Wrench, who is oh, yeah. Hispanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love her. Shout out to Dr. Wrench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like more understood for sure. And I think also not only mentors, but friends who understand what it's like maybe not to be hispanic but to be a minority Mm -hmm. or to not have you know all the resources that you know other people had coming to medical school and going through this journey together i think that's what helped me and i feel like i do see my friends as kind of like mentors and mm-hmm. guidance uh-huh. um but that's how it changed i guess it hasn't changed because i also saw my friends as mentors in college mm-hmm. but <laughs> now i i also feel like i have mentors who are professors as well for sure okay i'm still looking for a black radiologist y'all so if y'all know anybody uh, uh, anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast <laughs> that knows or happens to be a black radiologist <laughs> let us know but yeah i mean dr banks will you know probably just fill in the blanks for right now um (laughs) i mean for me um because right now my mentor when it comes to research is actually in the college of nursing so i basically had to step out of nsumd to kind of like find someone uh that's I guess in the same interest feel like research um, fields that I'm interested in because right now we're doing like research on the homeless population and I felt like again those are the people that I really want to um, 
pay attention to and do like uh, future interventions mm-hmm. for so <laughs> look outside of right. SUMD to find that and again that's fine um, because I do believe there should always be collaboration between these health professions anyways mm-hmm. um, so as long as I feel like NSUMD ha- or just NSU in general has um, this different mentors available we just might have to step outside uh, our mm-hmm. college um, to see um, where they might be but I do believe um, NSU has that diversity that we are um looking for um Mm -hmm. and then hopefully we can find like what we need so we just have to go out there and seek it so Mm -hmm. yeah that's another good thing about nsu is that yes we have an allopathic medical college Mm -hmm. but there's also like a lot of other Mm -hmm. um health professional students that are here and Mm -hmm. it's just a great networking opportunity Mm -hmm. and it's nice that you found somebody Mm -hmm. um with the same interests as you right so that's good yeah, I feel like NSU, like you were saying, it does a good job. I know NSUMD, like we're a new school, so it's, you know, we're getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And as time progresses, I feel like that seems to be on the forefront mm-hmm. of a lot of the administrators' minds is increasing diversity and making sure that we have what we need to be successful. And so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen, you know, by next year and that kind of thing. I still think it, it is difficult. I think I think we just have to try a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, like you just have to try harder. Yeah. Because it's not gonna like just right. be right in your mm-hmm, face, mm-hmm. you know, where it it might be easier for like someone who's not a minority to find mm-hmm. someone that they can relate to, mm-hmm. um, that can mentor them. But I think if you go out and search for it, it's possible. It's gonna be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And have you guys come across any like networking opportunities, like I don't know, conferences or just like panels that um, sometimes that can be hosted virtually? Mm-hmm. Um, have you attended that? And are those available? I don't even I'm not even sure about that. Shout out to SNMA. I was gonna say shout out to Dr. Rashput. He's putting <laughs> us on to a lot yeah. of these oh, different. Yeah, Dr. Rashput for sure. Yeah. yeah, he's putting us on on a lot of these different um, minority based mm-hmm. um, conferences that um, myself, Gardy, Autumn, and Katie and I have been like involved um, in. Which is like because we didn't know like a lot of this mm-hmm. is new to us. So the okay. fact that he's you know he's telling us about these opportunities that existed and like what. Um, kind of topics that people are interested in hearing especially with our experiences being black um uh, women in medicine so yes. it's, it's it's gonna be like an interesting perspective so but it's like we wouldn't know what to do like yes our experiences are interesting but it's like who do we tell our stories to mm-hmm. so being um he was able to get get us into contact of um being able to write you know an abstract and getting that presented to different conferences so shout out to him and the mm-hmm. snma um yeah. as well um so i do believe like nsumd is trying like it's not like you know they're not doing anything i do believe there is an effort there and uh, yes we can always improve but i I can't say that you know nothing is being done so i do see the efforts that are being put in and snma what i what i love about snma and we do have a chapter here um as well but they have these like interest group group me's and so like and they have it for every specialty which radiology there's one as well and they always like post here's a panel that this snma at whatever school in the country is doing here's the zoom link come and so what i did last year i actually attended the pediatrics like post match um thing and they had there was actually one um and she's a physician now since she's graduated but she got matched at namor's and that's in orlando and we all know i'm from orlando shout out old town (laughs) so it was cool to like see hey 
you got <laughs> matched at a hospital that one I've been to that I would love to potentially like look into for a residency program. And I feel like those types of panels, once again, you have to know where to look. So okay. you have to know to be in that group me and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there there's efforts all throughout the country from the different SNMA chapters to really show off the black physicians that are there and also to provide mentorship that way. And then also like smaller programs um, that Dr. Rajpa has put us in contact mm-hmm. with and stuff. They're also doing the same thing. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also um, LMSA, kind of in like a similar token, Mm -hmm. it's a Latino Medical Student Association, and they have similar things like the interest group, Mm -hmm. chats, and a lot of, honestly, there's the most examples I've seen of like physicians um, on the field that are Latinos, even though we're in Miami, it's really great, and there's so many opportunities, um, so I would highly recommend joining it. There's so many chapters all over the country and so many opportunities, so... Shout out to LMSA. Yes, all all the minority medical student associations. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I actually do have like a question. It's not it's not on our list, but I'm curious because we attend medical school. Yes. Do you believe that medical education is doing an adequate job of showing the healthcare disparities that underrepresented populations face? And ways that we can solve those issues. And it doesn't have to be specifically like NSUMD because I know, you know, we can talk about what we've done here. But like just in general, pre-med, medical, whatever. Um, I can go first. I think overall there's like, I feel like it's like one lecture Mm -hmm. overall, like in medical schools. And then it just passes. I don't think there's enough action items like things Mm -hmm. that they're like, you know, for example, like in the dermatology, when we're learning about how all the books have mostly pictures of white individuals and there's not a range of skin colors represented in, you know, the medical education textbooks. And so certain diseases go undiagnosed because Mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. I think there may be not enough like, okay, you know what? That's why we're going to get this book that does show it and teach you guys and you know if anyone wants to form a committee to try to distribute this to other schools or inform other schools you know Mm -hmm. trying to trying to implement change i think that we're not there yet but i think it is being talked about which i think is a good sign but we can definitely do better Mm -hmm. yeah no i agree i definitely agree and especially like when it comes to standardized patients and i think it's something that katie mm. has mentioned before because especially like for our example we're in south florida you know we have mm. multitudes of different like groups and ethnicities and different languages that are spoken like within um our um region so it's like you know when we see these um standardized patients it's usually the same kind of um, people but it's like when we go out into our rotations we're gonna see a multitude of different mm-hmm. races yeah different ethnicities so I think it's important for us to get that exposure now so that Mm -hmm. when we get out there like whoa like we were not ready for this you know Mm -hmm. so I think when it comes to that definitely there is a room um, for improvement and like Maria said like I do believe a lot of these topics are like one lectures that's like okay this is the this is the problem and 
yeah well what 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 are we gonna do you know about it yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's one thing to raise like awareness but then what are the action items like what is it that we're gonna do because mm-hmm. there's a lot of doctors that's out in the field that still believe like these old you know um i guess stereotypes especially when it comes to different groups of people that exist yeah. when it's like even though scientific literature has proven like that's not you know that's not true but then it's like it's it, it's like embedded in them like you know this is what happens or this is what they believe happens and so they carry that on with them and even when they're teaching this new generation of doctors they pass on that that idea which i think we need to like break and you know but how do we do that with this with medical education making sure that Mm -hmm. you know we're we're not only bringing awareness but then Mm -hmm. we're putting in the action like this is what we're gonna do to improve to improve Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah, that, I'm glad you brought up the standardized patients because there was like a research article that I read. Um, I think they did it on Harvard medical students mm-hmm. and they asked them as they were closer to their residency, like did they feel that they were adequately prepared for mm-hmm. the amount of diversity and the amount of different patients that they would see? And the majority of them said no. Mm-hmm. Because including like increasing representation with the standardized patients themselves but also the cases that you're giving Mm -hmm. so every standardized patient in my opinion the case shouldn't be something like oh they're married they have kids they Mm -hmm. have a good job and that's you know that's it because there are a lot of um, structural components that are involved economical components that are involved that Mm -hmm. we're missing that we're gonna see Mm -hmm. And we're not prepared, but we're not. Yeah, like like exactly what you guys are saying. We're not we're not prepared. And so I think that's like an easy place to start, Mm -hmm. even if it's an actor or an actress, you can change the story. Right. You know what I mean? So that like I think us having this discussion as medical students and also bringing that to the attention of administrators, which I know we've done Mm -hmm. and we continue to do. And they are very receptive here. But I think medical students across the country should Put, put some pressure on like hey can we change this story i mean exactly. you don't have to be rude about it but like hey can we change the story or can we get more standardized patients that are like of different races like how can we do that do you need help doing mm-hmm. it can Recruiting. we start the committee mm-hmm. to do it yeah that kind of thing because i feel like students want that and i think students are willing to help it's just a matter of actually being about it don't talk about it be about it right yeah exactly i think like a lot of times we discuss something and say this is what needs to be done but then that next step never happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or just like we get lost in our work that we forget that we we started something we should finish it right Mm -hmm. exactly so i think we have yeah we have time for another question um so as a medical student currently what are you doing to give back to um, other repre- underrepresented minorities. So by that meaning, like, are you in any programs that try and elevate or mentor underrepresented minorities, volunteer activities, mentoring, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, so I am a, the medical education chair of LMSA chapter here in Nova mm-hmm. um, for the allopathic medical school. And we're going to do our first event September 26th. Okay. It's going to be a um, medical Spanish session. And we're going to do the HPI, learn how to do the HPI in Spanish, which nice. I'm very excited mm-hmm. about because when we go to preceptorship rotations and you have a patient and you can't even say hello. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that really, you know, it's impactful. So I feel like it'll be a great event. 
hopefully everyone can come we're gonna be there girl yes (laughs) and i am the co-founder of the family medicine interest group and we're going to collaborate with lmsa and we're gonna do a little presentation foreshadowing on um the uh proper cultural care so kind of Mm. you know cultural factors that maybe we should take account of um in hispanic communities we also thought of doing we're definitely going to do other cultures we're thinking maybe uh haiti because there's Mm. a big haitian population here Mm -hmm. and we have a wonderful student here in the podcast who is from haiti shout out to the chief (laughs) and so we kind of want to have something that can educate people on how to improve the standard of care mm-hmm. let's say what i'm talking about is if there's a certain topic in a certain culture that is usually very taboo or mm-hmm. it you know like mm-hmm. in hispanic culture if you ask someone about their sexual history mm-hmm. that's really taboo especially mm-hmm. like older hispanic individuals so yeah. you know learning also spanish um sayings of things that you know cultural things that may be different so you can understand your patient better that's Mm -hmm. what we're aiming for so i'm very excited about that Mm -hmm. and lmsa also has a program called metas which is where there's mentorship and tutoring in local high schools Mm -hmm. and um we're excited for this semester so join lmsa shameless plug (laughs) shameless plug And as for me, I am currently involved with SNMA with um, the wonderful Katie over here. So I'm excited to see what um, we have in store um, for everyone this semester. I think we have our first event coming up for Diversity Week. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting. We have a a movie um, premiere Mm -hmm. that we're going to be showing. So come out to that. The flyer is out. So just make sure that um, you guys... um, check those out for the dates and other things that i've been involved with um volunteering has always been you know dear to me so i volunteer at the um lotus house which is like the women's um shelter which i think is highly um important that we always try to reach out to these underrepresented underserved um communities and especially women when it comes to um healthcare. and we're all women so you know we can't forget our own and so definitely volunteering with um with that um doing research um uh, for the homeless population and as well as looking at different trends because i'm also working on like colorectal cancer as well as breast and ovarian cancer trends among different races and ethnicities just to see what's out there Mm -hmm. and what's missing so that we can um, create targeted improvements for these different groups of people so more to come on that and of course we're doing research on our our experiences and sharing that Mm -hmm. with others as well so i think just being doing um just being actively involved in whether it's research whether it's volunteering or different organizations and just helping um, the next generation that's to come or just helping people like currently now um, yeah. it's all going to be beneficial um, as you know um, as, as we finish this journey on so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean after hearing that you guys are doing so much on top of medical school, I don't know how I, I still don't know how yeah, you know <laughs> don't ask I, me how much hours of sleep that I get you know I'm <laughs> actually don't worry, zombies yeah um, so yeah. oof <laughs> I I yeah. Um I think that it's really important that even someone coming from like a South Asian descent like just participating in these activities mm-hmm. just because now we're more aware of it mm-hmm. and because we are also going to be the future of healthcare 
you know, just being more aware of like problems that you guys are mm-hmm. facing and mm-hmm. being part of the solution is just a big thing. You know, I did go to a lot of the Spanish workshops LMSA hosted last year and they were helpful, you know, and I like that it was very welcoming that even though you have um, very minimal knowledge in like the Spanish dialect, they will help you get to where you need to be. And that's amazing. And this year we're implementing Anki decks. Oh wow! Short Anki oh. decks before the PTSD. session. PTSD. I know, right? <laughs> With pronunciation, like audio, that way you could review and actually That's learn good, the though. language better. Mm-hmm. You know, for like that. for sure. Like one hundred percent. Not a regular Anki girl. I but might you do know. that one. Though. Yeah, like that. If one, it's something I that do. I like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that, I think that's really cool. Dang. but one thing i would say i do love and appreciate collaborations with um different groups of women because yes like yes we are black women and we have our own experience but i also think we need to collaborate with Mm -hmm. other ethnicities as well because i feel like there are um there is strength in numbers and um we are louder when we work together not against each other so let's go let's 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 shake this like Let's shake things up, you know. And yes. Just yes. <laughs> I love it. Like lift each other yes. up instead yes. of going yes. against each yes. other. No, I'm and all that's for how it. you do change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. All right. Well, this was a fun episode to record. Um, thank you, Stashis and Maria, for joining us on this episode. And yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else to say, Diddy? Just one thing. This the podcast. Sink or swim, Katie. (laughs) Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This was a lot of fun. Of course. And we will catch you guys on the next episode of the Sink or Swim podcast. Bye, everyone. I'm going to go take a nap now.